Hello, everybody! Welcome back to North Idaho Now. This is episode 187 for December 2nd. Getting into December now. Those calendars rolling over. Chance Watson bringing you the news today, as usual. This episode is brought to you by Hecla Mining Company. Hecla Mining Company is a leading low-cost silver producer with operating silver mines in Alaska, Idaho, and Mexico, and is a growing gold producer with operating mines in Quebec, Canada, and Nevada. They are the largest primary silver producer in the U.S., responsible for one-third of the silver produced in our nation. Their philosophy is to operate mines safely by promoting a deeply rooted value-based culture, leveraging mining skills developed over the company's long history, and by innovating new practices. To learn more about Hecla Mining Company, please visit HeclaMining.com. Come. Hey, everybody. Hope the week treated you well. Hope you guys didn't get snowed in or slide off the road. Any of that dangerous stuff that happened when that good... That's a good snowstorm, you know? Uh, as uh, being a North Idaho native, talking to uh, a few folks around here, uh, it's a lot of them, especially, you know, folks uh, that have just moved up here, friends that I have that have just moved up here, and uh, folks that have been here as long as I have, if not longer, they said, we haven't had a good... You know, no, that was a late November snowstorm, a uh, pretty good one uh, in terms of it just seems like we haven't had a strong winter storm uh, going back. Oh God, at least, for me, at least it feels like a decade, maybe more. Um, we haven't really got, you know, it'll snow. We get those flurries, but then it'll melt off. It's usually been pretty warm to the point where, you know, any massive snowstorm doesn't really have a lasting effect because it just melts off pretty quick. So it's the first time in a long time that I've seen uh, a significant snowstorm come in snow hit the ground and it's sticking for the most part for the most part uh dur during the days it seems to hover around freezing uh so it's decreasing a little bit but hey another snowstorm might be on the horizon so uh folks who are loving the snow hey enjoy it while it lasts and the folks who don't like the snow well hey uh history is kind of on your side to where it burns off pretty quick so maybe you just sit there and hope for that uh folks i'm pretty excited uh i'm going to get to watch one of the christmas movies that i have had on my radar for quite a while now uh violent night with the fella from stranger things uh i boy the guy's name uh escapes me at the moment but the fellow who played hopper on Stranger Things, and now, see, now I'm going to look it up. I'm going to try to multitask here and talk uh, Stranger Things. There we go. What is his name? His name is David Harbour. I knew that. See, I knew that, folks. Come on. Who doesn't know who David Harbour is? Uh, David Harbour playing Santa Claus in the new movie. Uh, definitely not a family Christmas film, but I think that that's kind of the point of it. Uh, pretty excited. I might be going to hit the theaters tonight and go see that. Uh, pretty stoked. Pretty stoked. I'll give you guys all the details once. My, the, the expert film review when it comes back anyway um i think it's i think at the point of it, it's supposed to be a little cheesy but uh hey you know what around the holidays we've got we, what what is a christmas movie because nowadays it seems like we've got a very wide range of it basically anything that even not even necessarily a christmas movie it's just something that has to happen around christmas this is the argument of die hard you know that, that might be one of the biggest arguments ever is is die hard a christmas movie well you know, it's not necessarily centered around Christmas. It happens during Christmas. But, you know, in any case, uh, I would probably say that Die Hard is a Christmas film, just on a loose interpretation of that. But you know what? The uh, the, the debate is going to go on. I think even Bruce Willis himself leaned in onto this one year and said that it's not a Christmas movie. So, you know what? Maybe since he is, the, you know, the guy in it, the movie, uh, we should probably just listen to his advice. 
Anywho, speaking of Christmas-themed things, folks, we have an absolutely unique and cool interview for you guys today. Uh, Bring in on the show, Juline Dance and Kent Kimball, both with the Coeur d'Alene Music Conservatory. Uh, They have both been instrumental. (laughs) Ah! Coming at you early with the puns, folks. They have been instrumental in organizing and putting together the upcoming Messiah performance that's going on at NIC this coming weekend, Sunday, December 2nd. Those two individuals are going to come on the show here to tell you a little bit bit about Messiah, uh, the upcoming performance of Messiah, uh, to many considered a, a staple of the holiday season, and tell you how, if you are so inclined, if you wanted to be a part of this. So it is a sing-along version of Messiah. So if you guys are interested in showing up and actually participating uh, in singing a little, uh, singing along with the group, um, there's there's instructions on how to do that. But uh, a small spoiler on that, show up early. Show up early to that event if you guys are looking to participate. So without further ado, won't spoil any more of the details. Let's kick it on over to that interview. How are you guys affiliated with the Conservatory, Messiah, all that stuff? Um, I am the director of the conservatory. Perfect. And Kent is our board president. Ah. And Juline is one of the chorus members in Messiah, and I am conducting the Messiah. Wow. Okay. So, so we have four hats going on here. Yes, absolutely. We're in different, <laughs> many, many hats. Uh, how long have you guys been with the conservatory? I had a vision of the conservatory in 2019. Okay. And it took us about a year to actually conceive it, have okay. a place for it, get a 501c3, have an organization. And then, um, yeah, and then it's been about two years in producing, like, classes, concerts, et cetera. Gotcha. So how did, how did that let, – let's for, for folks who don't know what the conservatory is at all, they've never heard of it before once – what are some of the functions that it does? How did it get started? You know, how did this idea come about? Well, I'm going to answer. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. Even though it got its start before I got involved in it. But the, um, the county wanted to bulldoze this magnificent old mansion that was constructed and owned by the second mayor of Coeur d'Alene. Oh, wow. In 2008, he built this mansion. And uh, it served as uh, law offices and many other things over the century plus. Mm-hmm. But it was time for the, the county to get more parking spaces sure. uh, across from the courthouse. Mm-hmm. And so they came up with the idea of bulldozing it. And Julene was like the, the man in Beijing, China... <laughs> in 1989, who stood in front of the tank with his briefcase in hand, and when the tank tried to go around him, he got back in front of the tank and stopped that tank Mm -hmm. from killing people. (laughs) And Juline stopped uh, the bulldozers, literally. Now, she had help with a few other key people. We had a lot of other help. Yeah. She she was the driving force, though. Well, um, actually... There were people who were against the demolition for a while before I came sure. into the picture because the neighborhood had a coalition that was led by Zoan Truman, and 
they were very against, you know, losing this historical home. To them, was historical. Now, since it's been on the, it's been put on the national registry by Deborah Mitchell, who works down at the Idaho Museum of History. And she knew just how to do that, and she's she's been involved with us a lot in the past. Um, but yeah, when I saw in the newspaper that they didn't have a purpose for this building that the neighborhood was fighting for, I thought, yeah, maybe it could be a conservatory because I'd been thinking about that. I'd been to Sandpoints Conservatory, and um, I had been through uh, years of conservatory activity with my daughter, who's a professional violinist, and I, I love it. Sure. So there you go. There it is. It looked like a place that could happen or house a conservatory. Sure. And how and so and it's been you said 2019 is when it first came into for, came to fruition. Um, it came into fruition in 2020. The 2020, November. okay. November, okay. So we're um, very new. 2022, we're sure just wrapping up our second year. Gotcha. How's it been so far? It's been well. I have to say a lot of work. Uh huh. It's been amazingly um, serendipitous by the um, number of people who are musicians and who also have a similar vision to come in like Kent and say, this is so cool. I want to be a part of this. Right. <laughs> right. That's awesome. But well, there are 20 other faculty members. Yeah. I'm just one of many. Sure. And they teach, you know, clarinet and cello and voice and wow. violin and guitar and percussion and everything, pretty much everything. And uh, all of their students and they're incredibly gifted, super talented, the best of the best faculty members. And so naturally their students follow suits and they're very, 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 very good. Wow. It's such a gift because all of our faculty love to perform. Yeah. And they love to teach. That's awesome. And that's so great. That comes through. You know, I feel like we're really lucky. Yeah. The kids are lucky. Absolutely. Well, that's just great to hear, guys. Um, so speaking of performing, you guys have a performance coming up here soon. <laughs> I've heard that rumor. Yes. Yes. Through the grapevine, I've heard it. <laughs> uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Messiah coming up. Um. It was six or eight years, uh, week, six or eight months ago, Julian casually said to me, hey, have you ever thought about us producing the Messiah? And I said, yeah. And she said, really? And I said, yeah. <laughs> and then nothing happened for a month. And then a month later, I said to her, you know, you were talking about the Messiah. Have you ever thought about us producing a Messiah? And she said, yes, I have. And I said, really? And over a period of three or four months, we got more serious and more serious and our our um, our true grit, our true interest level became incredibly over the top, obvious. So we uh, raised some money to help support that effort specifically, uh -huh. and um, uh, people have been very generous. And it's obvious that after a long, long, long period of time, you know, ten years, fifteen years, nobody knows how long it's been since Mahaya Messiah was produced in Coeur d'Alene. We needed to do it here mm -hmm. and not just rely on people from Seattle to do a Messiah or Spokane to do a Messiah or Missoula to do a Messiah. What's wrong with us doing it? We have the talent. We have more than the talent that we need to do yeah. not a good job, <laughs> but a fabulous, over-the-top, incredible job. Yeah. I went to the first rehearsal. And it just brought tears to my eyes. Wow. Because the first rehearsal was so good. Yeah. Because the musicians who had come far and wide to participate in this 
brought that element of excellence that makes you just ah. Uh, I think you meant you've we, we talked about that previously. You were saying that like the first, you know, this is just their first rehearsal, and it's already sounding like, you know, the, the day of. Yeah. Well, we published a lot of uh, audition dates for both instrumentalists and vocalists, mm-hmm. and um, I was at every one of them. Uh, I uh, personally auditioned over a hundred people. Wow, over a hundred people, and um, it's great when you can pick the best from the best. Yes. And we had to say no to a lot of people, obviously. But wow, I she was brought to tears. So was I. And a conductor should never be brought to tears. Right. You can't. You can't get over involved. You really can't. Right. Even if you're passionate, super passionate about it. But I, we were both bawling at times, and it was it was wonderful. It was just amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so great. But, uh, but okay. Keith has been prepared over the years to do this. Sure. He's sung as a soloist okay. in Messiah in many times. He's performed with several messiahs, and when he was very young, he had the passion to learn the whole score. Wow! So and you're so you're not unfamiliar with this? Oh, I'm extremely familiar with yes. it. But many of our performers are. If you ask, you know, this um, cellist, or how many times have you been involved in a messiah production? They might say. Uh, not very many, 12, and the next person would say 20, and the next person. I think I've been involved somewhere between 20 and 25 messiahs all over the country mm-hmm. and even in other countries. Wow. So that's kind of common. People love this work. They're drawn to it over and over again, and uh, both musically and, and perhaps many of them spiritually as well. Mm-hmm. It. Uh, the Christmas season is not really complete unless they go to a Messiah concert or even a sing-along Messiah concert, which ours is. Okay. We're inviting the public to come. We have 150 extra vocal scores, which we're checking out to people. If they come early uh, and go through a little rehearsal with me, Sure. Um, and we'll go through some of the most famous and adored choruses that they can sing in. They're not going to sing in the whole thing by mm-hmm. any means. It's mm-hmm. too difficult. But yeah. um, we, we ask both the sing-along people and the general public as well to come early. We can't guarantee you a seat because this is free to the public. Sure. We can't guarantee you a seat. So come early and uh, hopefully you won't be turned away. Perfect. Yeah. So tell me, let's, let's start with the basics here real quick. If, let's assume for a second whoever's listening to this interview doesn't know what Messiah is. No idea. Starting from scratch. Like, okay, I'm interested in this, but like, I don't know what's, what, what is Messiah? All right. Well, Kent's got that on the back of his hand. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) I just went to Europe um, for the first time and visited Vienna and Salzburg. And it was phenomenal to um, George Frederick Handel, you know, to Mm -hmm. read about his life in the museums and, know that the messiah sure was a god-given gift that he put together well the short story of yes. what, is, what is messiah starts with georg friedrich handel if you want to pronounce it correctly in okay. the german he was a german composer who was extremely well known throughout europe as um, one of the greatest opera composers in all of Europe. Wow. Some would say during that era, the most prolific and greatest opera producer. Okay. But his boss was the elector of um, Hanover, 
uh, in northwest Germany in Lower Saxony. And um, when he was 25, uh, Handel was in charge of the, the uh, he was the Koppelmaster, which means the, the church master of the choirs, mm-hmm. in a, and worked for the elector um, of Hanover. Well, three years later, the elector of Han- Hanover became um, George I, King of England. Mm. And then the king said, George, you're moving to London mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. So he moved to London and he was devoted to the king. He was the king's private composer, if you will. But after a number of years, he was so famous as an opera composer, something switched in his psyche or his brain, and we don't really know why. But uh, he's devoted the second half of his life to writing primarily oratorios. And an oratorio is a very large, very long, very detailed story from the Bible. Okay. Elijah, for example, is a famous oratorio. Okay. King David is a famous oratorio. Sure. Messiah is all about the, the life, the prophecies before he was born of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Sure. And um, all of the text were compiled by a, a friend of Handel's who was a librettist. That was his specialty. He knows poetry. He knows words. He knows how to get the whole story strung together. And he chose the, the words and the scriptures from 15 different books of the Bible. Wow, okay. Put them all together and said, here, Handel, do what you want with it. And he knew what he was going to do with it. And in about 25 days, he wrote the huge oratorial Messiah. That is the Messiah. Wow. And now it's a worldwide uh, phenomenon, I guess. You could Some say. would say that it is um, one of the greatest pieces of Western music composition ever created. Some would even say the most. The most, yeah. But but it's right up there. If it's not the greatest, it's right up there with Beethoven's Ninth Symphony and Bach's um, uh, 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 Brandenburg Concerto and the Brandenburg Concerti and and things like. I mean, it's up there. Boom! Right, really up there. And besides that, it's really up there too. Sure. Yeah. And I think when people hear it, they want to hear it again the next year. Right. Gotcha. Well, and I, I think you've mentioned before that it's it's very synonymous with the holiday season, too. Yeah. So um, some people just have to, it, it's it's a tradition. Yeah. It talks all about his birth, his life. Mm-hmm. <coughs> gotcha. Well, I, I can't, you were talking about before the auditions and whatnot, a lot of moving parts to this, I'm assuming. <laughs> um, are you pretty happy with the with the cast that you've assembled here? I'm more than pretty happy. More I'm than delighted pretty. and shocked, frankly, because even though you know I know the four the four soloists mm-hmm. that we hired, and they're premier, very very well known people. They're the best of the best. I'm not sure we could have found better soloists between Missoula and Seattle than we have for this, mm. um, and we have. Uh, chosen 20 orchestra players um, and they're phenomenal and they have incredible resumes and you'll read about some of their resumes in the program uh, mm-hmm. if you come to the Messiah concert um, and so you know you've heard all of these people sing and play and you've heard many of these people in choruses as well but until you get the whole group together and start going through one or two or three rehearsals, you don't really, yeah. really know if it's going to work. And Jolene and I and pretty much everybody who was 
there's a, this is going to be better than our dreams. It's like writing or it's like creating something, mm -hmm. you know, and when you get the best of ideas here and the best of ideas here, and then you start putting them all together, then you've got something greater mm -hmm. than everybody's best of ideas. And so that's what I feel like the Messiah is going to be for Coeur And the most wonderful thing uh, about producing it now and about the Music Conservatory having the privilege of being able to sponsor it is that we want to create a tradition for the Messiah every year. That's awesome. And and a good goal. Yeah. Great goal. Yeah. That's that's what we want to do. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, got to start somewhere, right? Right. There and, you go. Yeah. And you know, like everybody goes to the Nutcracker. Everybody goes. Sure. Then yeah. people have the opportunity to go to the Messiah. So it is a free concert. Yes. We have no idea what to expect. We talked in our planning meeting yesterday that we could have a full house and not what know what to do with extra sure. people. And, and that's at Schuler Auditorium on NIC campus, by the way. I was just about to say. So which holds somewhere between 1,100 and 1,200 people. Mm -hmm. yep. You know, it's a big auditorium with great acoustics. What dates are we looking at? This Sunday, December the 4th, 3 p.m. 3 p.m. People should be there 45 to 30 minutes in advance. Perfect. Okay. Or more. <laughs> gotcha. Um, I think the last time that I was at that venue, I was watching a uh, NIC production of Much Ado About Nothing, a Shakespeare uh, comedy. Uh -huh. I, that, I, I love that venue. That place yeah. is great. It's okay. really cool. Yeah, it holds probably the most people of any venue here. Yeah. But <laughs> amazingly, I think we're growing. That's and awesome. We have a vision to... Anyway, we can get, go there sometime. Yeah, no, you're all good. All good. All right. Well, guys, I think we've we've hit on a little bit about everything. Is there anything else you want to throw in there or talk about before we sign off? Well, do you want to talk about um, just um, getting there to do the sing? Make sure people understand what they need to do if they want to sing in the sing-along. Yes. Okay, so the, the regular concert starts at 3 p.m. If you want to sing along... We're having a sing-along rehearsal only, just for those people, between 2 and 2.30. But they can't arrive at 2, because if 150 or more people arrive for the sing-along to get books, at 2 o'clock we're going to destroy half of our rehearsal. Sure. So if you want to sing-along, I recommend getting there at 1.45 or even earlier. 1.30. Yeah. yeah, get a book. We'll check it out to you. We'll get your name, and then we can yeah. have a great rehearsal. Plenty of time to sit and look at your score, and then... And then we'll also be seating the general public starting at 2.15. This, yeah. this rehearsal will be happening. It'll be great background music. <laughs> and people will be coming into the hall. But we cannot seat 1,200 people sure. um, in 10 minutes. Right. So everyone needs to come about 45 minutes to 30 minutes before the event. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, guys. Thanks for coming in and chatting about it. It sounds like it's going to be a fun time. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. You. All right. We'll talk soon. 
Home of the lowest prices in all things outdoors since 1975, Black Sheep Sporting Goods is your one-stop shop for all your camping, fishing, hunting, and clothing needs. Open Monday through Saturday from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. and Sundays from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Check out Black Sheep's new location in the Silver Lake Mall. I heard Black Friday over there was very busy. Be sure to grab an entry form from any cashier for Black Sheep's annual Big Game event. All Big Game entries must be harvested between August 31st and December 24th, 2022. Prizes will be awarded by random drawing. Size of rack doesn't determine a winner and the entry must meet all state and federal laws. Black Sheep Sporting Goods, award-winning selection and customer service since 1975. All right, everybody, let's jump into some Coeur d'Alene Post Falls Press headlines, starting with Wednesday, November 30th. Headline, Kootenai County Responds to Skeet Club Complaint. This is by Kay Thornbrew. Oh, I'm excited to hear more about this. This is something I've been following along. Kootenai County commissioners have disputed claims that the county is in violation of its federal grant obligations by allowing the Coeur d'Alene Skeet and Trap Club to pay $1,000 annually to rent land at the Coeur d'Alene Airport. A complaint filed anonymously in October with the Federal Aviation Administration alleges that the Skeet Club's lease violates multiple obligations, including one that requires airports to maintain a fee and rental structure for facilities that services will... uh, and services that will make the airports as self-sustaining as possible. Quote, the county is considering all options available for the future of the club's lease, Commissioner said Monday in a letter to the FAA. Under its current lease with the airport, the Skeep Club pays $1,057 a year to rent 36 acres of land. Airport Director Stephen Shergard estimates that the market rate for the land is more than $400,000 per year, about half of what it would be worth if the soil weren't contaminated from lead and toxic materials in clay targets that were commonly used in the past. Commissioners acknowledge that the land values in Coeur d'Alene, quote, could have outstripped the rent due, to the, due from the club under its lease with the county. The lease expires in spring of 2023. In the meantime, the club and county are exploring, quote, various options, unquote, and consulting with their own attorneys. The county will provide the FAA with a proposed plan for how to move forward with the lease upon its expiration. Quote, the board is dedicated to ensuring that the airport complies fully with its federal obligations, commissioners wrote. Rental rates for a new lease proposed by the airport in January of 2022 would begin at $120,000 per year and increase by $40,000 each year for a decade, topping out at $480,000 rates the club just can't afford. A small nonprofit incorporated in 1946 at Hayden Lake, the Coeur d'Alene Skeet and Trap Club moved to its location on Miles Avenue in 1965. The club has about 300 members and draws shooters from across the region. Close to 40 youths on local teams also practice at the club. It's a great place. Uh, I've been there there a few times recently with my nephew. Uh, Got to to experience skeet shooting for the first time not too long ago. Uh, It's an absolute blast. Uh, I hope hope that a resolution can be figured out to where the the folks can stay here. Um, Unfortunately, it sounds like the folks who were uh, putting in this anonymous tip to the FAA um, were trying to get them to leave. So uh, I hope that a situation can uh, be resolved here where the, the skeet club can stay. Moving on, let it snow! On January 7th, this is by Bill Bealey. One might not believe snow is good for the jewelry business, but as far as Jane Clark is concerned, it's the best thing for holiday sales. Quote, All this snow out there is a giant sign, said Clark, as snow poured down Monday morning. Quote, It looks like we're going to have a snowy season. 
Clark oversees operations at Clark's Diamond Jewelers on Sherman Avenue in Quarter Lane, which is again bringing back its popular Let It Snow promotion. If it snows at least 5 inches at the Spokane International Airport on January 7th, all purchases at Clark's made between November 19th and December 31st will be entirely refunded. What a deal. Don't think it can happen? It has. Twice. With the most recent in 2020. Quote, we're hoping to do it again this year, Clark said. Coeur climatologist Cliff Harris said January 7th was chosen because it's in the middle of a full moon cycle, which improves the chances of big snowfall. It came close last year when it was set for January 11th. Plenty of snow fell around that day, but not on it. So, they moved it up a few days to improve the odds, and at the request of the jeweler's insurance carrier, bumped the snowfall total to 5 inches from the last year's 4 inches and 3 inches in 2020. Clark added that there's no other business she knows of where there's even a possibility that the Christmas gift you buy could end up being free. The Let It Snow campaign adds a sense of wonder to the holiday season at Clark's, an independent store that has been around since 1907 and is still at its original location at 307 Sheeran Avenue. With each snowfall, hope builds. More than three quarters of a million dollars have been refunded in two in the in the two years when enough snow has fallen, with refunds from $25 to $30,000. Ooh, that's a chunk of change. Spokane Airport was selected as the measuring site last year and this year because it has the nearest official weather station to avoid any disputes over total snowfall. Clark's is having a special showing of Gemstones Friday, with those purchases also qualifying for the Let It Snow campaign. Clark said even though the promotion is in its 10th year, a misconception remains. Quote, People think we don't want it to snow, she said. But the fine folks at Clark's do. The event is insured, so it's not like Clark's would be out at, out all the, that money if it dumps the right amount of snow on the chosen date. Ooh, I love the gamble there. That's that's super cool. Uh, uh, growing up in the area, I've heard about this promotion for quite a while now. Uh, pretty much all, all every year that's been going on. Uh, super cool thing that Clark's has done. Uh, you know, hey, two out of ten. Uh, it's not too bad. Not too bad. The odds are not terrible, especially with this early snowfall. Could be a good sign, folks. Moving on Thursday, December 1st headlines, snowflakes, shovels, and sleds. This is by Bill Bewley. Silas Ballou went about 20 feet down the hill on his sled and crashed face first into the snow Wednesday afternoon. That sounds very familiar to me. For a few seconds, the youth didn't move. Then he peeked out from under his oversized stocking cap, stood up with a big grin, and started back up the hill next to the Coeur d'Alene Public Library to do it again. Just a few blocks away, John Crane and his sons, William and David, were shoveling snow from a friend's property. Together they were making good progress. Plus, John figured it got them out together for some father-son time and exercise too. Quote, a good cardio workout, he said. Boy, boy, howdy is it. Wednesday's heavy snowfall forced school cancellations, kept workers at home, created dangerous roads and slippery walkways, we'll talk a little more about that in a second, and sent snowplows, snowblowers, and snow shovelers into overdrive. Climatologist Cliff Harris measured 12.7 inches of snow at his player drive home by 4 p.m. That was the second most for a single day in November, with the record still at 16 inches set November 19, 1963. Oh, but just a little bit of time ago. Harris said November was the coldest on record. The average high was 35 compared to the normal average of 47. Yep. The average low was 22, while normal is 27. The average temperature was 28.5, nearly 10 degrees under the normal average temperature of 37. Quote, we've never been that cold for that long, Harris said. 
He said 25.8 inches of snow had fallen in November in Coeur d'Alene, the fourth most behind 38.3 inches in 2010, 31.6 in 1973, and 28.2 in 1959. It topped the 24.1 inches that fell in 1996. Ah, Ice Storm 96. Talk to, talk to anybody that was around in 90. I was three years old, and I still like, oh, yeah, Ice Storm 96. I was there. I was there. I saw it. Everything was covered in ice. There was no power for a month. I, <laughs> it's my version of uh, had to walk to school bo- uphill both ways kind of thing. Yeah, that, that makes sense. More snow is coming, Harris said. Quote, I can't see. I can see at least five more systems upstream to come downstream, he said, adding none as strong as what we've just had. Each will drop a few inches this week and into next week. All right. So again, folks, if you're excited for the snow, more is on the way. But uh, for the folks who are not, well, sorry. It'll go away eventually. Promise. Moving on. Cougar Gulch. PNZ proposes massive rezone. This is by Kay Thornbrew. The Kootenai County Planning and Zoning Commission recommended Tuesday that the county rezone most of Cougar Gulch, a move residents hope would protect the area's water supply. The proposed rezoning area includes about 340 parcels, totaling a little more than 3,600 acres, or about 6 square miles, currently zoned as agricultural suburban. The minimum parcel size for that zoning is 2 acres, with some exceptions, Quote, it's the largest area rezoning that I know of that we've done in at least three in the last nine years, possibly longer, said Community Development Director David Callahan. Residents say they've experienced water supply problems because of too many wells drawing on a limited water supply. Quote, we've had a resource that is really important, said Doug Albertson, a 40-year resident of Cougar Gulch during Tuesday's hearing. Quote, if we allow many more people to uh, to suck out of the water supply, everybody's going to be bringing in water. A lot of us can't afford to do that, and it's not a sustainable way of living. About 75% of Cougar Gulch property owners signed a petition to change the area's zoning to rural, which would set the minimum parcel size at 5 acres. The land owned by these petition signers comprises about two-thirds of the total acreage. The remaining property owners did not sign the petition, nor did they oppose the proposed changes. Quote, An overwhelming majority of people want to go in this direction, said Cougar Gulch resident Lynette Brown, who helped gather signatures. Use allowances between agricultural, suburban, and rural zones are very similar. The proposed change to rural is also generally consistent with the county's comprehensive plan. The commission recommended that approximately 80 acres owned by Pristine Ridge LLC be excluded from the proposed rezoning because those parcels draw from a different water source. Close to 80 parcels won't make the minimum lot size. However, the commission also recommended language allowing for parcels smaller than 5 acres that were zoned as agricultural suburban prior to December 2022 and then rezoned to rural be regarded as conforming parcels. The proposed rezoning will go before Kootenai County Commissioners December 8th. All right, well, make sure we got some clean water out there. That's that's very important. Moving on, crashes pile up on snowy roads. This is by Kay Thornbrew. Local law enforcement agencies responded to numerous traffic incidents Wednesday as a snowstorm blanketed North Idaho and motorists faced treacherous and uh, treacherous road conditions. Amid the storm, the Kootenai County Office of Emergency Management urged drivers to stay off the roads unless absolutely necessary. Quote, with the constant snowfall, it's difficult to maintain roads, which can lead to more slide-offs and accidents, the agency said in a Facebook post. Between midnight and late Wednesday afternoon, the Kootenai County Sheriff's Office responded to 30 slide-offs and 17 crashes. No injuries were reported. 
Coeur d'Alene police responded to eight collisions and six slide-offs, also without injuries. The number of incidents was fairly low for the snowy conditions. Quote, I think we had more on Monday, said Coeur d'Alene Sergeant Jared Renault. Post Falls police reported no crashes or slide-offs as of Wednesday afternoon. That's crazy. Idaho State Police responded to 54 incidents Wednesday in Kootenai County. Those included crashes, slide-offs, traffic hazards, and incidents. No serious injuries or fatalities were reported as of late Wednesday afternoon. Authorities advised drivers who ventured out into the harsh weather, which is expected to per- uh, persist, to be cautious and give themselves extra time to reach their destinations. Couldn't have said it better myself, folks. Very smart. Stay safe out there. Uh, if, you, if you're not confident in your snow driving or ice uh, w- winter condition driving abilities, uh, try to stay home if you can. Or, uh, or, or, you know, maybe take one of those uh, handy classes that uh, ISP offers about winter driving. Moving on, Friday, December tw- uh, December 2nd headlines, rather. Not 22nd, jumping the gun, getting way close to Christmas. Friday, December 2nd headlines. Burning mad over berms. This is by Bill Bewley. Bob Carchia was not happy with what greeted him in his driveway Thursday morning. Quote, I had a berm this high at 5 o'clock in the morning, and I had to shovel that out so I could get my truck out, he said, holding his hand near his waist. It was this high. I couldn't plow through it. His neighbor at 7th Street and Locust Avenue, Wally Farness, was equally upset because he said city snowplows left a berm a few feet high across his driveway, which he had already cleared a few times and had to do it all over again. Man, this is a tale as old as time, folks. Farness called the city and said, quote, This is the first snowstorm of the winter. I don't want to have to shovel this out three times every time we have a snowstorm. Todd Fusier, director of the city's street and engineering department, said he won't. Quote, We will do better. He told the men as they stood outside their homes on Thursday afternoon. Wednesday's storm dropped more than 12 inches of snow in Coeur d'Alene and left slushy, icy streets that were difficult to navigate. City snowplow crews began working at 4 a.m., and their first priority, per the city's snow plan, was to keep arterials, hills, and collector streets clear. Because there was so much snow, they had to focus on those areas Wednesday and didn't start on neighborhoods until Thursday. By then, it had warmed up a bit and rained a little, creating what Fusier called, quote, pretty much the worst conditions to plow in. Fusier said the snow gates, while designed to reduce berms, don't eliminate them and don't operate well in such conditions. The city's snow plow plan says, quote, citizens should always be prepared to clear driveways in these cases. With this type of snow, the gates almost don't work, Fusier said. It's too much weight. It rolls off. It's hard for us to control it. The result was berms in the wake of snow plows. The street department was swamped with calls Thursday morning from residents voicing their frustration. I, you know, maybe it's just because I'm from here and I've grown up with this. Like this, this happens every year, folks. Uh, I, I understand it is annoying to have to dig out your driveway after the plows come by. They'll, they'll snow you in. But this is, this is a side effect of them actually clearing the roads. Um, I, I guess what I'm saying is you can be frustrated. You can throw your shovel a little bit, but I think calling calling the road crew departments, I, I just don't think it's going to do anything. Um, it, it's it's definitely something you can be annoyed about, something you can be angry about. I've been there myself. Been there myself. You shovel out your driveway, you think you're done, and then the, sw- the plow comes by and you got to shovel it out again. I get it. It's annoying, but uh, the road crews are just doing their job, folks. So uh, maybe maybe cut them a little slack while they're while they're out dealing with. Uh, you know, winter Armageddon, so to speak. All right, moving on. Madison Ranch Development coming to Hayden. This is by Joseph Snow. The Hayden City Council approved a zone change Tuesday for a commercially zoned property near the corner of Hayden Avenue and Hutter Road. Oh boy, here we go. The change to a mixed-use zone will come with terms. Using priorities laid out by the council during the meeting, conditions will be negotiated for a zone development agreement. 
The rezone will allow Coeur d'Alene-based development company Madison Capital LLC to develop a mixed space that would meet housing demands and requirements that land close to a traffic signal must must have commercial units. Quote, the zone development agreement gives us an opportunity to come up with some creative ideas, said Scott Kurtz, Madison Capital president. The site plans have gone through a handful of iterations, but the current goal for the property is to build a combination space called Madison Ranch. The street-fronted portion of the, of the nearly 18-acre property will be rezoned to mixed use to allow for residential ho- townhomes. The concept for the forefront acre uh, for the front four acres would be a combined of fi- combination of five plex condos and townhomes built above commercial ground floor space with a live work loft concept. Quote, I'm concerned about the health, safety, and welfare of people living on the third story, said Hayden City Council President Matt Roeder. He said he fears that the fire department wouldn't have sufficient capabilities to get onto the roof of a three-story building. Quote, one of the conditions I'd like to see is that the northern in, is that until Northern Lakes Fire District is able to eliminate the deficiency, if they can't get up on a third story, that the buildings in this project would only be two, Roeder said. Northern Lakes is currently heavily dependent on mutual aid from Kootenai County or, or Coeur d'Alene, where they have the latter apparatus necessary for three-story buildings, said Chris Larson, Northern Lakes Public Information Officer. Hayden already has some three-story apartment buildings, but Larson said those have sprinklers and alarm systems that to supplement the district's capabilities. Hayden Mayor Scott Forsell suggested alter, alternating the townhouses between two and three stories to provide variation. The staggered dimensions would give the buildings rhythm, making them more appealing to comply with Hayden's visual standards, Forsell said. The plan for the townhomes is to have a small, single-family feel in a few small buildings that create opportunity for first-time home buyers to have housing access, Kurtz said. Forsell suggested another possible condition, placing a limit on rental spaces in the townhomes by requiring owners to live in the spaces. The current design concept would minimize traffic and incorporate leasable space on the ground floor for office and workspace, Kurtz said, and could include childcare or meeting spaces on the lobby floors. City staff may ask Madison Capital to commission a traffic study in the development agreement based on comments from Rotor. Madison, Ra- Ra- Madison Ranch rather, will also include single-family housing in the remaining 14 acres on the southern part of the parcel. The maximum density for all 18 acres is 4 units per acre, for a total of 72 units on the entire parcel. There would be roughly 30 townhomes expected to cost 20-30% to 30% less than a single-family home, 42 single-family uh, single units, many on oversized lots, and a commercial building center, central on to the townhomes. The southernmost 16 single-family houses will have to be built in a second phase in five years, allowing time for the city to build a sewage lift station to increase sewer capacity before the homes can be added to the sewer system. Quote, looking over everything we've seen and heard, I don't think our infrastructure can handle this right now, said Hayton City Councilwoman Sandy White. White requested that the agreement include park spaces in the single-family portion of the parcel. A small commercial building centrally located just outside the townhomes would ideally become a coffee shop, cafe, or grocery, Kurtz said. Quote, we determined based on listening to the council, listening to the staff, that we didn't want to maximize the density, said Scott MacArthur, an engineer for working for Madison Capital. The mixed housing development would provide inventory price for first-time home buyers and blend larger homes for established homeowners, in addition to adding job opportunities in the complex. Quote, we understand that what the community wants in certain areas, Kurtz said. Kurtz hopes that the construction will be complete on the single-family residences, except for the Southern 16, by the end of 2023 and possibly into 2024 for the townhomes, dependent on timing of approvals through the city council. 
The site plan also includes necessary extensions and widening of Dunkirk Avenue and the creation of Downing Street for access to Dunkirk from Hayden Avenue on the eastern side of the town homes. Uh, two two English-type uh, roads right there. The agreement should be reintroduced for council approval December 13th or at the first regular meeting in January. All right, folks, time to jump north real quick here for a headline out of the Bonner County Daily Bee from Thursday, December 1st. Headline, Foundation, BTAA, aim to empty the shelter. This is by Carolyn Lobsinger. Do you need a forever friend? Forever. Ha, ha, ha. Good one, Carolyn. With the help of the Bissell Pet Foundation, Better Together Animal Alliance has you covered. Starting today, the foundation has launched Empty the Shelter's Holiday Hope event. The program, which waives adoption fees for all adult cats and dogs, runs through December 11th. BTAA is one of more than 275 participating facilities taking part in the program. As part of it, BTAA will waive adoption fees for cats over six months old and dogs over one year old. Quote, as the nation's largest funded ad ad uh, adoption event, Empty, Empty the Shelters has helped over 126,000 pets find loving homes through sponsoring reduced adoption fees of $50 or less, foundation officials said. Quote, shelters are overcrowded and are in desperate need of support due to slow to adoption rates and increased length of stay for pets. Kathy Bissell, who founded the foundation in 2011, said, quote, with so many people seeking to add pets to their family around this time of year, our Empty the Shelters Holiday Hope event is the perfect opportunity to make a difference in your community by saving a life and creating space to give another homeless pet a chance. Since 2011, the annual event has become the largest funded adoption event in the U.S. In the past 11 years, the event has touched the alliance that serves Bonner, Boundary, and Kootenai counties. BTAA is not affiliated with any city or county governments and receives no tax support. BTAA supports people and their pets to prevent unnecessary owner surrenders, shelters lost pets, and provides a safe place for pets while they wait to find new homes. BTAA officials said the alliance helps roughly 2,400 stray or surrendered animals every year and over 6,000 pets through its community-based programs. BTAA is located at 870 Kootenai Cutoff Road in Ponderay. For more information, visit Better Together, that's B-E-T-T-E-R-T-O-G-E-T-H-E-R, AnimalAlliance.org. The America's gold and silver-owned Galena Mine in Wallace, Idaho, is currently accepting applications for a variety of positions both above and underground. America's gold and silver offers competitive wages, a full employee benefit package, which includes medical, dental, vision, life, and disability insurance, PTO, 401k, and a pension plan. To apply for the many open positions at the Galena Mine, visit www.americasgold.com forward slash careers. All right, folks, takes us into Shoshone News Press headlines from Friday, December 2nd. Headline, Christmas in a Barn. This by Molly Roberts. After a successful November run of the hilarious show Guys on Ice, the Sixth Street Melodrama will be back in December for a new show, Christmas in a Barn. Christmas in a Barn is written, directed, and accompanied by the extraordinarily talented Joy Pearson and features many familiar faces that have graced the melodrama stage. The show begins with the cast traveling to Toccoa, Washington, as they take their Christmas show on the road. 
When their bus slides off the road into a snowdrift, the cast of the traveling show takes shelter in an old barn. While the performers wait to be rescued, the group decides to rehearse their show to pass the time. Tis the season to sing. Ooh, very, very meta, folks. I, it, <laughs> I like that. Tis the season to sing and celebrate with friends as the show goes through a lineup that could make the Grinch's heart grow three sizes with soloists like Carol Roberts serenading the crowd with the Christmas song or Ken, Ken Bartle crooning, There's a New Kid in Town. Oh, there's some talent right there, folks. Enjoy sing-along favorites like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and the 12 Days of Christmas while the group sings and dances the night away, bringing you to all the holiday cheer. Celebrate finding love during the holidays with the velvet tones of Annika Sundstrom singing Merry Christmas, darling. Those who attend will also be lucky enough to hear the staff reporters sing Santa Baby. Oh, Molly Roberts going to sing Santa Baby? Oh, all right. There you go. The Sixth Street Theater was founded in 1983 with the building that was located across the street where the Northern Pacific Depot Museum now sits. With the location changing in 1984, the building itself has a colorful past and is the only wood building that remained in the present-day downtown that wasn't destroyed by a fire in the 1890s. For more information to purchase a ticket, visit the 6th Street Melodrama and Theater Facebook page or call 208-752-8871. Some really great performances that go on at the Melodrama, folks. Uh, If you're in the area around these times when when the shows are happening, definitely check it out. Moving on, last story from the Shoshone, area seniors facing meal reduction. This is by Josh McDonald. Shoshone County has always done well to serve and take care of its most at-risk residents, and it looks like it's time to step up once again. Silver Valley Meals on Wheels program director Dale Lemieux was recently informed that of the 77 seniors he regularly prepares and delivers meals to, 17 of them would be reduced from 7 meals a week just down to 5. Eliminating the two meals that are provided additionally on Thursdays and Fridays to be heated up and eaten over the weekend. According to Lemieux, the edict came down from the Area Agency on Aging, or AAA, not to be confused with the other AAA, a group that operates in six different regions throughout the state under the guidance of the Idaho Commission on Aging, that effective November 1st, they can only receive five meals per week. Okay. According to Lemieux, these 17 people are those who do not qualify for Medicare for whatever reason. And that lack of supplemental funding is the reason behind the reduction. A change of this nature is entirely new territory for Meals on Wheels. Since Lemieux took over as director four years ago, they have always been able to provide seven meals per week. Quote, these people still need to eat, Lemieux told the news press. What we're doing now is letting them know that this is coming, but in reality, it's already come. Lemieux has continued to feed all 77 people using some of the money from the Meals on Wheels savings, but at $6 per meal, that money could run out fast. Right now, Lemieux said that they can likely get through the end of the year, but after that, they would have to cut people off. AAA reimburses $4.50 on the meals, which leads $1.50 for the Meals on Wheels program to pick up, unless the person receiving food is on Medicare. David Brandt, a public outreach manager for Idaho Commission on Aging, explained that the agency has very little say in the amount of money that is available, only how it gets uh, dispersed to the various AAA regions. This decision comes from just seven months after Governor Brad Little signed a proclamation in accordance with the new House Bill 687, recognizing the 50th anniversary of the Senior Nutrition Program, a program that funds local agencies and nonprofit organizations that serve home-delivered and uh, uh, congregated meals to help older adults and people with disabilities gain opportunities to maintain their health and independence. Signed in late March, House Bill 687 is an appropriation bill for the Commission on Aging and includes $5 million 
dollars for Idaho senior centers, as well as seven hundred twenty thousand in funding to improve access to care for vulnerable seniors and direct support for their caregivers. The $5 million for senior center support was to be used for grants for the various senior centers to upgrade meal site locations that will improve service, safety, and efficiency. However, the funds were also provided to give additional support for home-delivered meals like Meals on Wheels for the next 12 months. Senior Valley Meals on we- Silver Valley Meals on Wheels did receive $10,000 from this pot of money, but that money was spent to purchase a new van to deliver the food, a vital part of the entire process. Meals on Wheels does utilize several different outreach opportunities for their patrons, including their ver- their annual Festival of Trees fundraiser and Tree of Sharing. The Festival of Trees has already begun this year, and people are encouraged to decorate a tree or wreath and donate it to the Senior Center to be raffled. The Tree of Sharing is organized by Sue Jensen and allows people to come into the Senior Center and donate items like gloves, hats, blankets, and other needed items during the colder months. All donations to the Silver Valley Meals on Wheels program are tax-deductible and can be made to Silver Valley Senior Centers in person at 726 East Mullen Avenue in Osborne or by mail by sending your donation to P.O. Box 877, Osborne, Idaho, 83849. For more information on any outreach opportunities, contact the Silver Valley Senior Center at 208-752-1194. Watts Appliance has been providing incomparable customer service to the Silver Valley for over 50 years. The family-owned and operated business has a wealth of knowledge regarding appliances and the brands they sell. Whether you're in need of a new washing machine or have questions about refrigerators, Watts Appliance is ready to help. Visit wattsappliance.com or stop by and visit at 3 North Division Street in Pinehurst. All right, folks, let's round out the show with some headlines from the Bonners Ferry Herald from Thursday, December 1st. Headline, School Levy to Run in March. This is by Emily Bosung. Boundary County School District will run a maintenance and operations levy in March and has named the other possible election dates for 2023. Due to the levy dropping off in June of 2023, the district will run an estimated $2.4 million levy to pay for safety and maintenance, transportation for extracurricular activities, staff salary, and curriculum materials. The board said the exact amount and additional details on line items will be forthcoming. Boundary County Superintendent Jan Bayer said that if the levy does not pass, 25 of the district, 25% rather, of the district's workforce could have to be cut. The district would lose 20 or more classified staff, one principal and 8 to 10 teachers since their salaries are paid through the levy funding. She added that the district could find a way around this cut by having furlough days and the school week could be cut even shorter for elementary schools, although she cautioned that this could result in unequal pay for elementary teachers compared to high school teachers. M&O levies in the state of Idaho only last for one to two years. BCSD has selected to run their M&O every other year. M&Os cover maintenance operations and learning costs that are not covered by the state, such as band drama, band drama, future farmers of America class, career technical education course, extracurricular activities, travel for extracurriculars, ground maintenance, and more. In the past, the district's M&O levy has paid for smaller class sizes and allowed the district to maintain its level of learning, Bayer said. In October, the school board voted 3-1 to one in favor of putting an M&O before the voters in March and to not raise the dollar value of the levy. Trustee Mary Fierovanti voted no, maintaining her stance to only hold school board elections during the primary and general elections instead of four times a year as allowed by Idaho Code. Also at the meeting, the board decided the 2023 election dates by request of Boundary County. 
Fair said the county requested the election dates in order to be better abreast of upcoming elections. In Idaho school boards, elections can run four times a year, since the board cannot guarantee the levy will pass the first time they have scheduled an out, uh, out possible dates for the election, which includes March, May, and August. The previous proposed bond was to replace the 74-year-old Valley View Elementary and for improvements across the district. The bond failed to pass in March and August 2022 elections. Replacing the piping and the roof, which is the same roof that collapsed in the gym a few years ago, was some of the many issues that were to be addressed in the bond. The week of October 17th, sinks in the girls' bathroom backed up into the floor drain, spilled across the bathroom floor and into the hallway. In February, at a Bonners Ferry City Council meeting, BCSD trustee Teresa Ray said the district is planning for a possible catastrophic incident that could happen at Valley View. Such an, uh, such an event would make it unsafe for students and displace 400 students who would likely be farmed out to several churches in town or bring back double shifts at the district to provide schooling for all students. Bear said that the district is anticipating a catastrophic failure at Valley View in the next five years. Since Valley View is still in need of repairs, the board is looking into a plant facilities levy. This would allow the district to repair and rebuild the school in phases. It is projected that the work would be done over 10 years. The board project projects the plant faci- uh, the board projects rather the plant facilities levy will run in the November 2023 election, but said that they have a lot of research, planning, and have gone out to bids before taking the projects to the vote. Voters, rather. The next BCSD Board of Trustees meeting is December 12th at the district office, 7188 Oak Street in Bonners Ferry. All right, folks, last story for the day. 351 turnout. 351, okay. 351, folks. Boy, oh boy. I know how to read. 351 turnout for Thanksgiving Turkey Trot. This is also by Emily Bosung. Thanksgiving 2022 saw yet another successful turkey trot with a record 351 runners and a track full of uh, track full of food donated to the Bonners Ferry Food Bank. The trot's inaugural run down the Tom, Tur- Tom run down Tom the turkey was a huge hit. Event organizer Carolyn uh, Burrell said. Quote, Bonners Ferry cross-country and track runner Sidney Beckel graciously donated the red cape and the turkey baster and took off 15 seconds before the rest of the runners. The goal was to chase her down and take control of the baster, she said. Oh, fun times. Uh, Continuing on, that baster could be passed off several times as a new runner overtook it. In theory, the fastest runner would cross the finish line with it, Burrell said. But that didn't happen after all. Connor Alexander, Bonners Ferry alum and current Lewis Clark State cross country and track runner, came screaming in first and was when asked if uh, him about the baster, he answered, I could have grabbed it, but I didn't want to spoil all the fun. Music was provided by Adam Reeves's forerunner entertainment, kept everyone tapping their feet to warm while standing by the bar- burn barrel. After the race, runners enjoyed eight huge pumpkin pies, three extra large whipped cream containers, five gallons of hot cocoa, and four gallons of coffee, and more than 60 prizes by local businesses were given out, dr- out in a drawing. Burrell said nearly 1,000 pounds of food were donated to the food bank. Well, that's good to hear. Once again, we'd like to thank Hecla Mining Company for sponsoring this episode. To learn more about Hecla Mining Company or the careers that they're offering, visit www.heclamining.com. All right, everybody. Thanks again for listening in to the show. We really appreciate it. Please remember to subscribe or like or follow us on any podcatcher or music app that you listen in on. We are on lots of them. If you're interested in the stories we're talking about today or the ones we did not, check us out at www.cordelainepress.com, showshownewspress.com, bonnercountydailybee.com, or the bonnersferryherald.com. All right, everybody. Stay warm out there. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week.